Good morning, everybody. Well, welcome. Glad that you're here with us today. Um, so appreciate our worship team uh, guiding us this morning and so glad to have Evan back. Well, as, as Chris said, we are in week two in our purpose series and together we are exploring a question that many of us ask and we ask this question on multiple occasions in our lives. So we ask in different seasons of our lives, like what's my purpose? Why am I here? Like, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? So that's a common question that most of humanity asks. And so that's what we're trying to explore together. What are the purposes that God has for our lives? Now, if you missed being here last week, we learned that we were made by God and for God. And because of that, if God made us, and if we were made for God, then that uh, leads us to believe God has a specific purpose for us. So God has a, spe a specific purpose for your life, a specific reason that he has made you, a spe specific reason that he has created you. And in fact, he has multiple reasons that he has made you. There are multiple purposes that we're going to learn about in this series together. So today we're going to start with purpose number one. And I have to tell you, this is going to be one that we don't fully understand. It's going to sound great at first. So when you hear it, you're going to go, oh, man, that sounds great. And that sounds easy. And then we're going to start exploring it together. And you're going to go, ooh, that's weird. Like, what do I do with that? We're not exactly sure what to do with this first purpose, how to live this one out. And you'll understand the tension as this one unfolds. So this morning, we're going to spend most of our time in the book of Ephesians. So if, if you brought a Bible with you, flip over to Ephesians 1. If you've got it on your phone, which is probably a little bit easier to see, you can bring it up there. We'll have verses on the screen as well. But let me tell you a little bit about the book of Ephesians. It is actually a letter that was written by a guy by the name of Paul. So uh, the Apostle Paul, if you're familiar with him, he wrote this letter to some Christians in a city called Ephesus. Now, Paul was this guy, before he became a follower of Jesus, he was actually a hater of Jesus and anyone who followed Jesus. So he hated Christ. He hated Christians. He was involved in persecuting Christians. He was involved in killing Christians, putting them in prison. And then one day, he had this life-changing encounter with Jesus. He actually met Jesus on a road, and his life totally changed. Well, after that life-changing encounter, Paul did a 180 in his life. So he went from persecuting Christians as much as possible. His primary mission in life was to put Christians in jail, in prison. He wanted to squelch that movement. He went from that to being one of the guys used by God to spread Christianity around the known world. I mean, he was so passionate about helping other people come to meet Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So after this life-changing encounter with Jesus, Paul took on this mission, this personal mission from God to be an apostle to the Gentiles. So he took the message of God's love to the Gentiles. If you are not a Jew, guess what? You're a Gentile. And you can thank Paul for responding to God's message, to God's call for his life to tell Gentiles about the, the love of Jesus. So he went around the known world planting churches, starting churches, new churches that would point more people towards Christ. And then years later, Paul ended up in prison in Rome for his faith, for all the stuff that he was doing, he ended up in prison for that. And sitting in prison in Rome, 
He wrote letters to these churches that he started, and Ephesians is one of the letters that he wrote to the Christians in Ephesus, and it's a letter of encouragement to them. So that's just a little bit of background into the book of Ephesians. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, says this. This letter is from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Now, Verse four, the first part of verse four contains our first purpose that we're gonna look at together. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. Now let's just pause there for a moment and unpack that. So before God created the earth, God loved you and he chose you. And we're not exactly sure how long ago God created the earth. There are people who say it was millions of years old. There are people who say it was thousands of years ago. But either way, regardless of how long ago it was, way before the earth was created, God was thinking about you. God had you on his mind. And when he created the world, he wanted the world to be just the perfect place for you to live. Kind of like when a new parent uh, wants to get the baby's room ready for that new baby to come home. Do we have any new parents in here? Uh, Maybe your child's under a year or something. Raise your hand up. All right, so we've got a few. We know we've got Evan and Carla. They've got a new baby at home. Well, what do typically, what do the new parents typically do? They get the room ready. Maybe they get the room painted. Maybe they get this uh, theme ready for the room. And they go out and buy little props that'll go in the room that'll fit the theme. They'll find the right crib for that room. They'll buy little clothes, you know, for month one, month two, month three. And like, wow, he's big. He's already in six months. And, and then, uh, you know, all the way up to the first year, they get everything ready. They buy diapers. They buy wipes. They buy more diapers. They buy stuff to put the diapers in. Once the sweet little baby starts making sweet, not so sweet little deposits in this little, little diaper. So we've got all the stuff that we need so that when that baby comes home, like everything is ready. And at least that's what first time parents do. If you're not a first time parent, you know, by the time my wife had our fourth kid, we rummaged around the garage, found a box, put a blanket in it, gave him his, his sister's hand-me-down clothes and said, we'll let him wear those long enough until he starts figuring out, hey, like these don't look like boy clothes. So, you know, first time parents take a lot of special attention for their kids. Um, and then comes the other kids. But when it comes to God and, and us, God in that first time parent mentality and approach to getting the world ready for us, spent a lot of time preparing the world exactly for you. He thought of everything that you would ever need and then he created you just the way he wanted you. Anybody have parts of you that you don't like? God created you just the way he wanted you. He put you in the family he wanted, in the community he wanted, exactly in the moment of time that he wanted. He said, okay, on this day, I need this person alive. It's going to be this day. And moms and dads hope it, it's this day. But no, baby decides to come another day because God decided that's the day that I want 
you to come onto planet Earth. So God did all this specific preparation just for you. So again, the first part of that verse, we get our first purpose, and it's going to sound great at first, and then we're not going to know what to do with it. So the first purpose of your life is to be loved by God. God made you to love you. Now, let that sink in for just a moment. So the first purpose of your life is not to serve God. It's not to trust God. It's not to obey God. It's not even to love God back. The first purpose of your life is just to let God love you. God didn't create you to do something for him. He created you to receive something from him. So your number one calling, your number one purpose in life is not a role. It's not a responsibility. It's not a bunch of religious rules for you to follow. It's a relationship with the creator of the universe. Now, that sounds great at first. If you, you know, hear that and go, wow, that sounds pretty good. But most of us, as we start walking into that, don't know what to do with it. We're not exactly sure how to be in a relationship where God says, just let me love you. Because I don't know if you're like me or not, but I'm the kind of person who does not like to be in the receiving end of a relationship. Anybody like that? Anybody else like that? Are the rest of you just consumers? That's horrible. All right, so most of us in general do not like to be on the receiving end of a relationship. Most of us would rather give than receive. And if you get into the receiving end of a relationship too long where it feels like you know, you're being given all this stuff, here's what happens for me. I feel weird. Like, I feel like I need to do something. I feel like, like there's an obligation that I have in this relationship. So uh, often, I would rather be on the giving end of a relationship so I don't feel so obligated in the relationship. And I don't know, you may be able to identify with that. Tammy and I have a great friend that has, on several occasions, done some fantastic things for us. And each time this person's done that, we have said, what can we do in return? And the response has always been, nothing. Just let me do this for you. Sounds great, but it feels weird inside because I don't like to be on the receiving end of a relationship. Many of us feel that way with God. When it comes to our relationship with him, sometimes we do stuff for God because we feel obligated to God. Sometimes we do stuff for God because we feel like it's a way to earn a relationship with him. And that's why some of you are here today. Some of you are in church because you feel like it's a part of you earning a relationship with God. Some of you give because you feel like it's a part of earning that relationship. Some of you serve because you feel like when you serve, you're earning that relationship. Guess what happens when we focus on attendance, giving, and serving? We start focusing on what we have done instead of what God has done. Our eyes get, get off of the, the, its proper place. We get off of the proper thing that we should be looking at, and we start focusing more on what we have done to earn or keep the relationship as opposed to what God has done to give us that relationship. 
Now, again, there's nothing wrong with those things. Nothing wrong with, with coming to church. I'm actually glad you're here this morning. You know, it gives me somebody to talk to. It's fantastic. If you weren't here, I'd be all alone talking to myself. So there's nothing wrong with going to church, nothing wrong with, with giving. There's nothing wrong with serving. Those are things that God wants us to do, but God doesn't want us to do them because we feel obligated to him. And God doesn't want us doing those things as a way to earn a relationship with him. Your number one purpose in life is not to earn a relationship with God. It's to enjoy the relationship that he offers to you. Now, I understand that conceptually, but I struggle with it practically. See, I used to think for, for many years in my life, and there's still moments where I struggle with that, where I, I, th- I think that I've got to do something significant for God to get God's approval, to get God's love, to be in a strong, close relationship with him. So there was many seasons of my life that I felt pretty bad about my relationship with God because I was comparing me to all the other Christians around me who I thought were doing some really cool things for God. So I would look at somebody else and go, man, God must really love them. I mean, look at what they are doing. It's fantastic. I mean, God just must think they are the top. And God must look over at me and go like, what you doing over there? Like, you're not doing anything. And so I just didn't feel like I was in a close relationship with God. I knew God loved me because doesn't God have to love everybody? You know, the Bible says God's love, so he has to love everybody. But I wasn't convinced he liked me. I wasn't sure that he was proud of me. I wasn't sure that he really wanted to be in a relationship with me because I wasn't doing a bunch of things for him. And then things would get worse as they often do when I would mess up. So anytime I would mess up in my relationship with God, I would feel even worse. I mean, he's already disappointed because I'm not doing something big for him. And then I go and mess up in some way. I go do something that doesn't honor God and hurts our relationship even more. And so God is even more disappointed in me. And maybe you feel that way too. Maybe you felt that way in your life. Maybe you felt like, you know, here you are, you can't do enough to get God's approval. You can't do enough to get God's attention. Maybe you feel like, like you owe God something and then all of a sudden you come along and mess up and you feel like God is even more disappointed in you because of how you are living your life. But listen to how verse four continues in Ephesians. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be, and get this, holy and without fault in his eyes. So God chose long before the world was ever created to see you without faults. Now let me ask, anybody have any faults in here? Like anybody got, you know, like any faults in your life? Like if you did not raise your hand, I've got some extra ones that I would love to share with you. I have probably plenty to go around. Everybody can have one on your way out. It's our free gift to you. I would love to share those with you. But we all have faults. But when God looks at you, he looks at you as if you don't have any faults. If you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the way God looks at you. Now, is God being foolishly naive here? Is God going... Well, I just can't see all the faults in their, in their lives. No, God knows that we're messed up. God knows that we have faults. He knows what they are. He made us. He knows exactly the things that we do that don't honor him. And yet, when God looks at us, that's not the first thing that he sees. 
First thing that God sees when he looks at you is you and his incredible love for you. He sees someone that he loved enough to send Jesus to die so you can live. Now that should be some of the most amazing news that we have ever heard in our lives. The reality that God chose a bunch of screw-ups to be in a right relationship with him, that long before the world was ever created, God said, I pick you, and I pick you, and I pick you, and I pick you. And I know you have faults, but I'm choosing to look at you. When you enter a relationship with me through Jesus Christ, I'm choosing to look at you without fault because I love you. I'm in love with you. That was a profound thought in Jesus' day, very profound thought. It's still a profound thought today. No other faith system around the world says it's possible to have a a great, close, tight relationship with God because God gave us that relationship. Other faith systems say that if there is a God and there is a, a way for us to be in a relationship with him, it's based upon what we do. The more we do for him, then we're in a tighter relationship based upon what we do. And Christianity says... It's not based upon what you do. It's based upon what God has done for you. And it's a relationship that is freely given. Now, when God says, the first thing that I want you to do in life is just let me love you, most of us, again, don't know what to do with it. We wonder, like, how do I do that? How do I just let God love me? Like, aren't I supposed to do something to be in this relationship? There's a lot that we can do to demonstrate our love for God and our thanks back to God. And we're going to explore that later in this series. But again, the first thing that God wants us to do is just let him love us. Now, think about it this way. So Evan and Carla, they they bring this new baby home and she's so cute little girl wrapped up like a burrito and I got to hold her and it was so awesome. Got my baby fix. Imagine they bring little Ainsley home and imagine them saying to her, all right, Ainsley, like I know you're a couple of weeks old and everything, but if this relationship's going to work out long-term, like you're going to have to start pulling your weight around here. You know I mean? These diapers don't change themselves, you know? So can you imagine a new parent saying that to a kid. No, we could never imagine that. Parents don't say that to kids. Parents don't require that the kids earn a relationship with them. The relationship is freely given. Now, there may be rules that come with that relationship that make it great, but those come after. The first thing that comes is a relationship that that the parents say, we're in one. I love you. And God says to us, We're in one. If you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've put your faith and trust in him, we're in a relationship. I love you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything for it. You don't have to do anything to keep it. First thing I want you to do is just let me love you. So how do we do that? How do we let God love us? I think it is wrapped up in at least three things. There's probably a lot more, but today I just want to focus on three things in our, the remainder of our time together. And I think those three things are understanding God's love, receiving God's love, and then applying God's love. So the first part is understanding God's love. Now, here's where I would say to all of us, um, this is a difficult task because I really don't think it's possible for us to really understand God's love. I don't think it's possible for us to fully comprehend God's love. God is infinite. We are finite. 
And, and we don't understand all of God's ways. We don't understand why God, why, why he does what he does. I don't understand his grace. That in the moment, Romans 5, 8 says, the moment we are shaking our little fist at God saying, leave me alone. He says, I love you. And I'm gonna send Jesus to die for you. I don't get that. That's just amazing. It's what's so amazing about grace. So we can't fully understand it, but listen to Ephesians 3.18. So Paul says to the Ephesians, he says, may you have the power to understand as all God's people should. So this is something all of God's people should understand. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. So even though we're gonna struggle in our lives to understand God's love. God says, I want you to understand more and more and more of it. I want you to spend your life trying to understand how much I love you. Now, not understanding God's love is a cause for many of our problems in life. When someone goes from unhealthy relationship to unhealthy relationship, they don't understand how much God loves them. When someone keeps running back to a familiar sin that trips them up and brings lots of pain into their world, they don't understand how much God loves them. When someone gets into relational conflict and refuses to forgive, refuses to restore, refuses to work forward in in an environment of grace, they don't understand how much God loves them. So understanding how much God loves us lets us live in that love in a whole new way. Now, the best place to learn about God's love is the Bible. That's where we learn about God's incredible grace, his incredible love for us. And as we become students of the Bible, and we should all be lifelong students of God's written word, as you become a student of that, you'll come across verses like this. Psalms 139 says, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. So here's one of your homework assignments. You know, we're getting into beach season. So next time you go down to the beach, whether by yourself or with family or friends, I want you to count all the grains of sand on the beach, okay? It shouldn't take you longer than a few hours. So when you're there, just start counting, like one, two, three, four, five, you know, grab a handful and just spend your time counting how many grains of sand there are on the beach. And then I want you to step back and think, look down the beach and go, this is one beach. God's thoughts for you are more than the grains of sand on the entire world. That's a lot of thoughts about you. God is obsessed with you. God loves you. He can't get you out of his mind. He is so in love with you. So understanding how much God loves you. I hope every time you go to the beach, you say to your friends, you want to know how much God loves me? Look at the beach. Look at the sand. He loves me more. He thinks about me more than every grain of sand on this beach. So I hope that when we understand that, we can then move to the next level of receiving God's love. So the second part is receiving God's love. Now, because we all have a, most of us have a problem being on the receiving end of a relationship, let me ask it this way. Has anyone ever in here been in a relationship where you were in a relationship with someone who would not let you love them? Like they fought you. Like anybody identify with that? So a couple of hands gone up. So, so maybe you know what that's like. So you're in a relationship, maybe with a child, maybe with a parent, maybe with a friend, maybe boyfriend, girlfriend or something where 
you fight them and, and your biggest conflict is they won't let you love them. Maybe they reject your love. You know, they are skeptical of your love. Maybe they fight your love. And when you're in that kind of a relationship, what do you want them to do? You want them to let you love them. You want them to receive your love. You don't want them to fight you. You don't want them to reject you. You don't want them to be suspicious of your love. You just want them to receive it. That's the same thing that God wants for us. He wants us to receive his love. So when God comes along and says, listen, I, I think more about you than there are grains of sand on the, on the shore, and my thoughts are good thoughts for you. We can reject that, we can fight that, or we can say, you know what? I don't understand that, but I'm gonna receive it. I'm just gonna let you love me in that moment. I'm just gonna allow myself to really embrace the reality that God thinks so much about me. So we need to try to understand God's love. We need to try to receive God's love. And lastly, we need to apply God's love. And applying is an extension of this receiving thing that we're talking about. This is actually a do part. So this is where we're going to feel a little bit better in this relationship. So when we read the truth from the Bible about God's incredible love for us, we need to apply it to our lives. And so as you're a student of the Bible, as you read through the Bible, you'll come across a verse like this. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Now, we've already established that many of us in here have faults, um, and hopefully we've established that probably you're going to mess up again. Um, so it could be this afternoon, could be tomorrow that you're going to mess up again. But the next time you mess up, I want you to read that verse and apply that verse. So apply what 1 John 1, 9 says. So sincerely confess your sin to God, know that he will forgive you, and then move on. Like, don't drag that thing around with you in the future. Just move on from that. Don't beat yourself up. Don't avoid God. Don't run from God. Run to God and just say, God, like, I messed up again. It's not a newsflash to him. I mean, he's not surprised when you come and say, God, I messed up again. He says, yeah, I know. Thanks for coming. And let's fix that together. Now, in my relationship with my kids, when my kids mess up, I want them to come to me quickly. I don't want my kids to avoid me. I don't want my kids to hide from me. I don't want my kids to, to you know, do everything they can to keep away from me because they feel so bad. I just want my kids to come to me and say, Dad, I messed up. Like, okay, great. Take responsibility for it. And let's, let's fix that. And that's what God wants for us, the same thing. And then when those negative voices in our heads start telling us, you're not worthy to be in a relationship with God, tell those voices to, to get out. Tell them, leave me alone because I have been forgiven by a God who loves me. And then move forward in the confidence of God's love. Now, that verse does not say, just so we're clear, live any way you want because God's got to forgive you. That verse doesn't say that. So nobody has a license to go out and go, woo, party time. God said, I can do whatever I want. All I got to do is come back and say, I'm sorry. That's not the kind of sorry God's looking for. God's looking for true repentance where we come and we say, I'm sorrowful and I'm determined to fight against that sin that trips me up. I'm determined to be back in a right relationship with you. When we come to God that way, 
He grants us forgiveness and he gives us a do-over, a second chance, a third chance, a millionth chance, whatever it is that we need, God gives it to us again because God is that much in love with you. So again, we need to understand God's love. We need to receive God's love and we need to apply God's love. Now, when we do those three things, look at the benefit. Look what happens when we do those three things. Uh, Ephesians 3, 19, the second part says, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So when we understand God's love, when we receive it, when we apply it to our lives, we get this thing called completion, That's an incredible benefit. You know how many people around us, maybe you even here today, are on a journey to find completion. And some people look in relationships thinking, if I just get in that right relationship, I'll be complete. Some people look for it in success or money and think, you know, if I can just get that grade or if I can just get that position or if I can just get that amount of money, if I can just get that promotion, then I'll be complete. And God says, listen, you can't ever find completion in any of those things. True completion only comes from me. It comes from letting me love you. So that's the first purpose that God has for us. Now here's my closing challenge for you today. Will you let God love you this week? Now I'm not exactly sure what that's gonna look like for you because I don't know your situation. I don't know the ways that you fight God. I don't know the ways that you reject his love. But will you this week determine to understand more of God's love? Will you this week determine to receive God's love, what you are understanding? And then will you determine this week to apply what God is saying to you about his love for you in that specific situation in your life? Now, to help with that, one of the things that we are doing throughout this series is we're reading a devotional book together called The Purpose Driven Life. And I I highly recommend you you grab a copy of that if you don't, if you're new with us. Uh, We've got some copies back here available at our Connection Center. I'd love for you to stop by and pick one up. They're $10. Uh, We're reading one section at a time and there's seven chapters in each section. So there's one, uh, one chapter per day as you work through what we teach on Sunday, and then there'll be a week's worth of information for us to dig in together. It it can really help us in this applying part. It can help us understand how to understand more of God's love. It can help us to receive more of God's love, and it can help us to apply more of God's love. So again, I encourage you to do that. And this week's reading is purpose number one, that section of the book. Now, as we close today, our worship team is gonna come out and they're gonna guide us through a closing song about God's incredible love for us. And here's what I encourage you to do through this song. I encourage you to identify one area in your life where you are fighting God on his love. So as this song is playing, I encourage you to pick one area and tell God that. Throughout the song, just tell him, I'm fighting you on this. And then by the end of the song, I encourage you to determine, tell God this week that you're gonna determine to apply his love in that specific area for you starting today. Now, here's my final prayer and encouragement for all of us this morning. It's found in Ephesians 3. This is where Paul says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. 
May you experience the love of Christ that is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So don't fight God's love. Don't reject God's love. Don't be suspicious of God's love. Just let God love you. That's your first purpose in life. So let's pray together. Lord, that first purpose is extremely difficult to understand. Maybe it's simple to understand and hard to put into practice. Lord, there's this difficulty that we have, if we're all honest, about being on the receiving end of a relationship. So here we are, God, and those of us who put our faith and trust in you on the receiving end. And the first thing that you ask us to do is not to serve you, it's not to trust you, it's not to obey you, it's not to love you back. I mean, we can't even do that unless you first love us. So the first thing you want us to do is just let you love us. And Lord, we hear that and go, wow, that sounds great. But then I know in my own life, I walk out and go like, what does that really look like? How do I really do that? So Lord, all of us in some way or another, we fight your love, we reject your love, we're suspicious of your love. And Lord, I pray that during this song, you would help us identify one area where we are doing that with your love, one area that we're fighting your love. And Lord, in this moment, in the context of this song, we would make this just a holy moment where we'll say to you, Lord, here's the area that I'm, I'm struggling in. And Lord, may we determine in this moment to say, I'm not gonna do that anymore. I'm gonna understand your incredible love for me. I'm gonna receive it and I'm gonna start applying it today. So Lord, help us this week as we dive deeper into this study to understand how much you really love us and you just want us to let you love us. Show us what that looks like this week. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat, please. Thank you. Well, I just want to thank the worship team for bringing the energy again in the morning. You guys are awesome. And I want to welcome back Evan, who's been off for a couple of weeks, celebrating the birth of his beautiful baby girl, Ainsley. Welcome back, Evan. Thank you. Well, my name is Chris, and I've got just a few announcements for you. So if you can go ahead and grab your announcement sheet for me, I want to touch on a couple of things. The first thing is our, and I messed this up this morning, toiletry drive. See, it's a little bit later in the morning. This morning, I was like, I couldn't even speak it. So the toiletry drive that we had in April was the green bags. And we encouraged everybody, we challenged you to fill those with soap and toothpaste and deodorant and things like that to provide to needy families in Flagler County. Well, Epic, you stepped up to the plate. And not only did you provide 90 bags, but... You also provided other donations, which in turn allowed us to bring 195 bags to Grace Community Food Pantry, who then distributed them to uh, needy families in the county. So give yourself a round of applause, 195 bags. It feels good to give, it feels good to give, that's awesome. So if you've been around for a while, you've heard us talking about our mission trips. And there's another little handout uh, called Not Going Give. So grab that for a second. I wanna touch on that and just kind of explain what we've got here. We've got two teams of people that are going to Antigua, Guatemala to meet with our partner church. Now they're gonna do a lot of things while they're down there, but one of the primary things they're gonna do is each team is going to build 
two homes each. So we're going to provide four homes down in Antigua, Guatemala. The cost of a home is $2,500. Through the people that are going, we were able to raise enough for three homes. So we're, we're looking to build one more home. So I'm challenging everybody to think about, do I want to help out to provide one last home? $2,500 for a primary shelter that a whole family is going to call home for $2,500. I'm telling you, we wouldn't think about that. We call that a shed here in Flagler County, but these people call that a home. So I just ask that maybe you think about that. Another way you can go ahead and um, think about helping out our teams is that each person that's going down there to put in you know, the sweat and the tears and the, everything else that goes into providing to the people down there is a cost of $1,600 per person to go down there. Not everybody has met their goal of raising that money. So what I'm going to ask you to do is take this not going give. I'm going to ask you to place it on your refrigerator. I'm going to ask you to pray about it and just see what God is telling you to do. If God's saying nothing, then nothing, no pressure. If God's saying, I want you to pray for these people every day, then write the word pray in, in a highlighter across here and pray for them while they're gone. And if he's saying give, I want you to give what you're comfortable giving. Okay, that's all I'm asking you to do. So hang it on your fridge and think about that and pray about that. Speaking about giving, if you call Epic Home, and you um, want to help us continue to do what we do here, help support what we do here at Epic, there are two ways you can do that. You can go to our website, theepicchurch.com, click on the giving tab, or you can look at the giving boxes. You can go ahead, those are the boxes, the brown ones that are in the back of the seating rows on the tables. You can utilize those as well. So does everybody know what is next weekend? Yell it out. Mother's Day, absolutely. Well, the way we're going to celebrate, one of the ways we're going to celebrate Mother's Day is we're going to do a child dedication. That's going to be a small part of our service. And what that is, is that any parent that wants to dedicate their child to God, go ahead, pop on our website. You can find our website at the bottom of the announcement page. And there's going to be some information about the child dedication. There's also an area where you can sign up, which will give us an idea about how many people are going to participate in that. Now, if you're new with us, we have a connection center. I want to make you aware of that. It's over in the back corner. I encourage you to go over there, meet one of our Epic uh, volunteers personally. They'll in turn give you some information, uh, a little bit more about who we are and what we are all about here at Epic. Uh, today, we are in week two of our purpose series. We're going to be exploring the first purpose God has for you. Now, if you missed last week or you've missed several weeks, you can always go to our website you can directly um, listen to uh, one of the podcasts right from there. There's also a link to iTunes. You can go right there. When you go to iTunes, you'll see that Epic Church is our logo. If you're looking, there's a few Epic Churches. But if you Google on iTunes, not Google, but if you hit the search bar, Epic Church Palm Coast, you'll find which one we are. So before we dive into our message, I'm going to ask you one last time. Stand up, turn around, find somebody you don't know, shake the hand, introduce themselves to you or introduce yourself to them.